Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Never imagine that when God commands us to not do something and forbids us from doing something, that there's not a reason for it. One has said of the Ten Commandments that they would be better said and understood as the tender commandments. Because this is a tender, loving, heavenly Father that says, Thou shalt not, because I love you so much. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ezra. We have such a loving God. He loves us so much and knows what's best for us. Just as Pastor J.D. explains in his message, God's commandments come out of a tender heart for us. He gave us a guidebook so we don't have to guess what we should or shouldn't do. So instead of viewing them simply as rules and restrictions, we should view them as loving protection from our Heavenly Father. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ezra chapter 9 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, let's jump in. Verse 1, when these things were done, the leaders came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests... And the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands with respect to the abominations of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they, verse 2, have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons, so that the holy seed is mixed with the peoples of those lands. Indeed, the hand of the leaders and rulers has been foremost in this trespass. So, what a way to start the Bible study and start a chapter, but we're starting off with the leaders coming to Ezra with what is and is going to be a very serious problem as they're apprising him of this. And the problem is that the people had intermixed with the abominable people of the land, and this was explicitly and expressly forbidden, and God had commanded them that they should not do this for the reasons we're going to see here in just a moment. And If this weren't bad enough, it seems that the ones who were at the forefront of this were none other than the priests. And that really says something. And this is a very serious problem, and it's going to bring about a very dramatic reaction on the part of Ezra, as we're about to see as well. So we need to kind of understand just how serious this was. At first read, you can kind of just read past it, and so Ezra's apprised of this problem, but you have to understand that this was a very serious problem because first we're told that it was a trespass. Now, again, at first read, that doesn't seem like much of a 
of a detail, but there's a difference between a trespass and a sin. And I'll explain what that difference is. It's going to be germane to our understanding of just how serious this problem is. A trespass has to do with specific sin, and it involves willful disobedience. In other words, you trespass when you knowingly disobey the commands of God, the Word of God. Different than a sin. A sin is more general in the sense that we sin because we're sinners. Not so with a trespass or transgressing knowingly, deliberately, willfully the Word of God, the law of God. And such was the case here with Ezra. There's several places in the Old Testament, in the Pentateuch, specifically Deuteronomy, where God commands them and forbids them to do this. And we're even told why. Let me read verses 1 through 4 in Deuteronomy 7. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, and we have them listed here, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, basically those that we just got done reading that they had intermarried with, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, which he had, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. Now listen, you shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you, verse 3, make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. This is one of those places in the Word of God where we're told the why behind the what of God's command. In other words, there's a reason why God has commanded them not to do this. God isn't commanding them not to do this and forbidding them from doing this because He's God and He said so. No, there's a reason. He's trying to protect them from what He knows will happen to them. What will happen to them? Well, first, their hearts will be turned away from God because of this intermixing, this intermarrying with these other peoples. And certainly that was the case with Solomon, the wisest and richest man ever to live. There was never one like him before nor after. And what happened? Well, he had many wives, and these many wives that he took served these pagan gods. And sure enough, they drew him away from the Lord his God as he began to serve these other gods because of doing that which God had expressly forbidden him to do. But there's something else here even more important than that, if that weren't bad enough. Here's the other reason God forbid them from marrying these pagan peoples. It could have and would have marred 
the purity of the bloodline of his people. Well, why is that so important? Oh, because of the promise. You know, the promise of the Savior of the world that would come from the bloodline of the Jewish people. And isn't it interesting that Satan wants to pervert and corrupt that and make that which is pure in the bloodline impure? Because in so doing, he could theoretically thwart the purpose and the plan and the promise of God. That's the why behind the what. Never imagine that when God commands us to not do something and forbids us from doing something, that there's not a reason for it. One has said of the Ten Commandments that they would be better said and understood as the tender commandments. Because this is a tender, loving, heavenly Father that says, Thou shalt not, because I love you so much. I don't want you to do that because of the harm that it will bring into your life. Let's just talk about the last five commandments having to do with our relationship horizontally with our neighbor, with our fellow man. The first five are vertical, our relationship with God. Loving our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second five are loving our neighbor as ourself. And that sums it up. That's, that's what sums up the law. Well, the second five commandments, let's, let's just talk about a couple of them. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay. Why? Because of what adultery does to the adulterer. I love you so much, and I I don't want that to happen to you. It will destroy you. Thou shalt not murder. By the way, not kill. Difference between murder and kill. Murder is premeditated, and it is thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not kill is generic. We kill in warfare, in self-defense. That's not breaking a commandment. The commandment is, thou shalt not murder. Why? Because of what murder will do to the murderer. It will haunt you and hunt you for the rest of your life, all the days of your life. And I don't want you to have to experience that. How about covetousness? Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, thy neighbor's this, thy neighbor's that. Don't covet. Why? Because covetousness will absolutely destroy you and eat you from the inside out. There is nothing so insidious as covetousness. It'll just destroy you. And here's your loving heavenly father tenderly saying to you, don't covet. Because if you covet, this is what will happen to you. And I love you too much. I love you so much. I don't want to see that happen to you. To the Israelite, don't intermarry with them. Because here's what will happen if you do. And I cannot sit idly by as your loving heavenly father and watch you go through this. Watch what what happens to you. Turn your heart away from me. Well, verse 3. So when I heard this thing, This is Ezra's response. I tore my garment and my robe 
and plucked out some of the hair of my head and beard and sat down astonished. Wow. Wow. Interesting, when we get to Nehemiah, um, different than Ezra, upon hearing a similar report of a very serious problem, instead of pulling his own hair out, <laughs> he pulls out the hair of other men. I, I, listen, when we, when we get to Nehemiah, I can't wait. I mean, I really like this guy. This guy was really interesting, very intense, uh, but, uh, and very intimidating too. But anyway, this was actually a symbolic gesture. And as we're about to see, but I want to draw your attention to Ezra reacting this way. I mean, it, it could almost, seem to be disproportionate to what's happening unless you understand the seriousness of the nature of what's happening. So as I was thinking about this, I was asking myself, okay, what would cause Ezra to react in such a dramatic way? And the only thing I could think of is that he was in an entirely different world spiritually. You know, there's just some people who are so sensitive spiritually to the things of God. They have a a soft heart towards the Lord that is so soft that it is affected so much when they see someone doing something like this. Now, for somebody to tear their clothes in that day and shave their head or pull their hair out. It was the ultimate expression of grief. There's really no other way to express one's absolute grief and and sorrow and even horror than the tearing of one's clothes. It was as if to say, my heart has been torn. I tear my clothes outwardly because it is an apt description and expression of what's happening inwardly. This just breaks my heart into pieces. This just tears me apart. This just rips me to shreds emotionally and spiritually. I just cannot believe this. I can't believe you would do this. You know, Some people that are this close to the Lord and sensitive to the Lord will react in a similar way at the news of, you know, something horrific and unthinkable happening in the world. It gets to the point where you almost can't watch the news anymore when you hear about... Let me give you an example. This this is just a, a personal example from just this last week. So I'm watching Fox News, and they're talking about the murder rate in Chicago, Illinois. And it was something like one person is murdered, murdered, murdered in Chicago every, like, two hours. In other words, from the time most of you got here tonight, I know for me I got here early, to the time you end up getting home, two people were murdered, not died, were murdered. Those are two souls. 
that have just taken their last breath in this life and their first breath in eternity. Think about that. I mean, let that sink in. Does that not break your heart? Is that not heartbreaking? When you hear of those statistics, and that's the reaction. I mean, it just, it just rips you apart. These are someone's son or daughter or father or mother or sister or brother. This was a living human being, a, being a soul that Christ died for. And two an hour being murdered, 800 a year? I mean, 800 murders a year? There's 365 days in the year. I mean, how many is that? I mean, murders in Chicago, in Chicago. I mean, it's New York, massively more populated. There's not, not that many people are murdered in New York, but in Chicago they are. That does something to you, or at least it should. Or have we gotten so calloused and our hearts so hardened and have we gotten so desensitized that it has no impact on us? Are we just, unfortunately, unlike Ezra? It just, it doesn't, it doesn't move us. And here's the thing, by the way. We're not talking about the pagan people. This was God's people. And Ezra's just, I mean, so broken by this. I mean, these are God's people. He's not reacting like this to the sin of the world. I mean, where do we get off on expecting the non-Christian to act like the Christian? You expect the non-Christian to act like this. You expect the non-Christian to do things like this, but not the Christian. That's what's heartbreaking. I can't even imagine how Ezra must have felt. I mean, think about this. He has just got done risking his life and the life of many others with him by making this journey for four months. Very dangerous, very perilous. So much so that they prayed and fasted that God's hand of protection would be over them. They were carrying so much treasure, so much silver, so much gold. They had their children with them, their wives with them. And they were just a target for all of the many bandits along the way. And God protected them miraculously. And they were able to safely make this journey 900 miles. He left the security, the comfort, the establishment of where he was at called of God, stepped out in faith, and he comes to Jerusalem, gives up everything to start all over, and they're doing this? I I came here for this? I risked my life for this? And you're doing this? What is... And then we're told that he, he had to sit down. You know what I'm thinking? You know how when you are on the receiving end of something so 
just unbelievable and shocking and heartbreaking. You just, you're weak in the knees. You can't even stand anymore. I need to sit down. I just, I mean, physically. He just, he couldn't stand. He had to just sit and try to take this in. This is really bad. How could you do this? How could you do this? Verse 4, Then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel assembled to me because of the transgression of those who had been carried away captive. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. At the evening sacrifice I arose from my fasting, and having torn my garments and my robe, I fell on my knees. Now picture this. I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God. That's a good posture to take. I find it interesting that his posture is that of prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. We've been talking a lot about that lately, haven't we? The power of prayer and fasting. And this prayer and fasting is concerning this grievous sin on the part of his people. Notice he mentions those who had been carried away captive in verse 4. That's interesting. I point that out and draw your attention to it because of the horrible irony of it. And I'll explain what I mean by that. The very reason, I want you to think this through with me, the very reason they had been carried away captive was because of the very transgression that they were still committing even now. you got to know that this is what's going through Ezra's mind. Are you kidding me? This is why we were taken away captive in the first place, and you're doing it again? Keep in mind, they've been there for a few years now. The the, the temple had been laying in ruins. They stopped the rebuilding. They started building for themselves nice houses. And the prophet Haggai came with Zerubbabel and said, Is it time for you now to be building your nice paneled houses while the temple lies in ruins? Now's the time. So they started rebuilding the temple. They completed the temple. And here comes Ezra, and you're doing the very thing that caused us to be taken captive in the first place, that caused us to watch the temple be destroyed, and you're doing it again? This, I can't, Ezra would say, I can't wrap my mind around this. The book of Ezra is a shining example of how God always keeps his promises. Seventy years earlier, when the Israelites went into captivity and exile, God promised that they would return and rebuild his temple. In the book of Ezra, we watch that promise fulfilled. What has God promised you? You can believe that he'll fulfill it in his perfect time. We're so glad you tuned in today. Pastor J.D. has a lot more to share with us from this Old Testament book. But you can listen to more messages right now by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Just click on Listen. 
And here's Pastor J.D. with an invitation to share with you. Yes, I'd like to invite our In Spirit and Truth listeners to join us for our weekend editions in which I do a Bible prophecy update. We look at current events happening around the world and how they relate to specific prophecies in the Bible. We broadcast these updates each Friday and Saturday, or you can find previous updates on our YouTube channel, and you can find the link at In Spirit and Truth Radio. Thanks, Pastor J.D. We'd love to be a part of your day always, so we've made it easy to connect with us. You can download our mobile app for Apple or Android, find us on Facebook and YouTube, and even subscribe to our podcast by searching for In Spirit and Truth in the iTunes Store. Find out more by visiting our website, InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. Pastor J.D. will continue teaching through the book of Ezra again with you next time. So join us right here on In Spirit and Truth.